think it's important for women in our position who have a little you know seasoning under our belt to share more about like it's not all the highlight reel of instagram right like it's tough and there are some some roadblocks and some things that we do go through and we feel down and scared and lose our confidence sometimes too and but it's on the other side of that fear is where the goodness happens welcome to the performance mindset podcast and i'm your host amy calandrino ceo of beyond commercial After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning in to the right show. Hello, friends. It's Amy Calandrino, and I'm back to you with another episode of the Performance Mindset Podcast. As you know, I've worked with business owners and investors for over a decade. Over that time, I've gotten to meet some very influential and impactful individuals, and I seek to, through this podcast, help to connect more people to them. Today, I'm excited to have Leslie Heimer, and she is a tenured mortgage lending professional and a real estate powerhouse. She's been recognized as the most powerful women in banking and was named a most influential thought leader for 2021. She has a master's degree in business administration with a focus in marketing and has been in real estate now for two decades. And she can handle a transaction all the way from the procurement of the money all the way to the overall buying or selling. And so she's been able to provide this really high-touch, high-level concierge experience for some of Orlando's most distinguished home buyers and home sellers. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm so excited. Yeah. And we got to meet through so many friends, through a lot of different things, but you're very involved in the community like I was. And I I think we got to have a really good conversation right before COVID at, I think it was like the Easter seals pair to remember. Yes. Yep. At the mall. Oh, because you were introduced to me. You were actually at my table. That's right. I was the one of your guests. So thank you again for that. (laughs) We stayed in contact. Even I love that fun event. Yeah. I get around, I say. Yeah. <laughs> like the, what is it? Uh, it is, I get around. It's the song by the Beach Boys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're dating ourselves, right? Yes. Yes. Well, it was really, yeah, fun. We had a lot of fun that day. And then like, I think a week later, the world shut down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we've been able to stay in touch and we have a lot of mutual friends and I just really love what you're doing. And I, I think you really differentiate yourself from a lot of your competitors. So I just wanted to kind of chat today and learn Super. more. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you first got started and you know where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually a third generation female loan officer. I always say it's kind of in my blood. My grandmother was the first female banker, mortgage banker in central Florida. Like back in the day when our parents got mortgages, you just went to the bank and 
you know, dressed up in your best suit. And um, so she was the first female loan officer. My mom is also in the business. We had our own mortgage company right out of college. That was my graduation gift. What were shares in my mom's mortgage company. So I always say I really didn't have a chance. I really didn't have much of an option. Um <laughs> And what I was going to do when I grow up, but um, it really just has been something that I've just done forever and ever, and really is all I know in terms of real estate and finance, and um, something I'm passionate about. You know, once you get to a certain age and you kind of feel that expertise and you own it, then you're like, well, I guess this is this is my life's work. That's incredible too that have two mentors to look up to, both your grandmother and your mother. And then you were able to, because you kind of knew that that's what you were going to do, you were able to cater your education and everything to to do that. Yeah, it really is quite fascinating. I mean, we're such nerds, you know, we all would vacation together and the whole time our husbands would be like, oh my God, are you going to stop talking about work? But it's just such a fascinating industry, as you know, Amy, like it just evolves and there's always new regulations and new market transitions. And I've just seen the mortgage industry specifically really change over the years. It's essentially a pretty new industry in terms of like the mortgage brokerage business. Um, so I just, it, it has been a fascinating career for sure. And yes, my undergrad actually is in marketing. And I used to say like, I wanted to do anything except for crunch numbers. So yeah. it was a great marriage when I did, you know, come on board with my mom's team. I always was able to kind of drive the marketing and be the rainmaker and let them do the hard stuff of crunching numbers and the matrix of finance. <laughs> Yeah, I try to do a blend and I have I have a team. I mean, but I have embraced my inner nerdum because right. you know, I, I get crunch numbers like nobody's like business. Yeah. Figure out a different we have to. I love that. Hashtag nerd pride. <laughs> yes. Start a new, yes. Please do include that when you write up the show notes, please. There Jen. you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that nerd pride. But yeah, I mean, at first, I mean, there's been times in my life where I, I'm like, ooh, I want to be cool. And then I'm like, no, no. Totally. I, I cool and nerdy. And right. So right. I love that. Exactly. Yes. I always say like, yeah, I thought I wanted to do something way more sexy than, you know, right lending laws, but here I am. <laughs> awesome. Now talk to me a little bit. So you're talking about how when your grandmother got into it, you'd get dressed up, you'd go to the bank and you'd see a mortgage banker, but then you talked a little bit about a mortgage broker. I think most who listen to the show are sophisticated, but still like if you don't understand the difference between the two, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. It is quite an interesting time in history going to the bank to get your financing from, I'll try to be politically correct because I don't want to upset any of my banking friends because they're knowledgeable and wonderful. But back in the day, a loan committee would kind of make a decision like the good old boy network. I mean, I have so many crazy stories that my grandmother had to endure being the only female in the boardroom, but essentially just be the good old boys sitting at the board table and saying, yeah, John's a good guy. We'll give him some money. Obviously, fast forward decades later, and now there are retail lending space and then wholesale mortgage brokers like myself. And we essentially just do and write, make mortgages and loans all day long. So 
Those of us on the mortgage brokerage side say that we can always beat the bank's rates, but all we do is make loans. So when a bank has their treasury department and CDs and all of the other functions that a bank would do, mortgage brokers are just focused only on, you know, residential and commercial real estate financing. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if somebody wants because they feel more comfortable with their bank, but then they may end up paying a bit more than someone that goes out and finds all the different products that are available and is able to bring them to you. I kind of think about that now. And like you have State Farm and all state offices for insurance, but those that are actually like brokers and can bring a different insurance products, then you can, you, you have more options available. You got it. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You're talking about what your grandmother had to endure, you know, being in commercial real estate, there hasn't been a lot of diversity as far as in sex, color, otherwise. And I'm actually part of a group of women. We call ourselves the power beacons. And we're just looking to like help to effectuate change for women within the commercial real estate agent, uh, within the commercial real estate arena. You know, the number of women that actually invest in commercial real estate, like without their husbands is very, very, very small. And the amount of women that actually like own a brokerage or do commercial real estate is is such a small percentage and, and actually making it through, you know, there's still some places that have a, like a negative culture, like we're working to really kind of, you know, to do that. So that's so um, interesting. I love that initiative. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is just so fascinating to me. I always get this question and people are like, why do I have to be on the loan if we're married, vice versa? Why do we have to sign for title, even if it's just one person on the loan, but they both have signed on, on, you know, the title work for the ownership of the, of the property. And it goes back to literally in our lifetimes, Amy, like I want to say, fact check me, it's either 1987 or 1978, but not until that time were the laws written that a man could go out and get a second mortgage on their home or even a first mortgage without the wife's knowledge Mm. and saddle her with this debt without her even having to, you know, be aware of it or, you know, approve of it or sign off on it or even acknowledge it. So that is like mind blowing to me that even in our lifetimes that that was allowed, like a man can just go put a bunch of debt on your name without you knowing. And what do you think it was like 1977, 1987? We'll have to look that up. I kind of think 87, but just fact check me. But yeah, I need to, uh, maybe in a year or two from now, I'm going to be like Joe Rogan and have like a whole studio and I'll have someone like sitting off camera (laughs) that can like fact check it. Who are little fact checkers. Yeah. I need to get that in my brain because I've told that story a couple of times. So but for now, we'll, uh, in our lifetime out there and someone can comment. uh, There you go. So you're doing both the the real estate, you know, side of sales now, and you're also doing the the brokering. Um, and then you know, you obviously have a family and all those other things. Can you talk about your typical day? Do you have like a yeah? I well, mean, you know, kind of like I'm sure you know, there's never the same day in real estate. It is always something new and exciting, and there's fires every day. So no day is the same, but over the years, I have tried to create like some non-negotiables in my schedule in terms of like what will keep me sane. And I always say I work out every day in the mornings, even if that's just like walking on my treadmill. And that is not about the composition of my body, but it is to keep my brain sane because this is a very stressful job. And, you know, some of those 
sort of stop points in my day. But typically I just try to journal and keep my mind speaking of mindset and those things in place. And I do a lot of time blocking. I'm kind of core trained. I'm not sure that's kind of an industry specific coach coaching system and program, but we do theme days where we do follow-up and green time and prospecting time and client outreach. So we do have a pretty structured time blocking method in terms of how our businesses run, but that gets way out of whack some weeks. (laughs) Well, I find that you even 80% of the time follow your schedule, then you're better off than that. And actually that alarm you guys just heard was reminding me to record my Monday market update. So (laughs) exactly. We need all the help we can get. So talking about, you know, so, so I'm letting you in a little secret. I don't record the Monday market updates on the Monday that they come out. I record them on the Tuesday before. Now, sometimes we have had to redo them again, like on Friday before the Monday if some like really cool news came out but like I have an alarm so like like clockwork I typically am like recording them the week ahead of time and we pick one thing that's going on in the office one thing that's going on in Orlando and one thing that's going on nationally I so, love that yeah yeah No, all the reminders and little um, chunks of time in our calendar I definitely have been better in the last year about creating buffer space because like you don't know when a fire is going to happen or when a client's going to call or when some emergency is going to bubble up. So not letting myself be blocked minute to minute to minute, you know? Yeah. I try to do that as much as possible. Now, sometimes you just all of a sudden, it tends to come in like waves. I'll all of a sudden get like a bunch of new transactions to work. And then they're all, I had like five of them, like in negotiation phases at the same time. And I'm like, I told, I used the, when you're in really deep negotiations on a real estate transaction, it's like trying to land multiple planes at the airport. And there's only one landing strip, like all at the same time. Like that needs to make room for that. Yes, totally. And it does come in waves. It's like totally that business. You know, I put two listings under contract last week and I was like, oh my God. And like, I was still in negotiation about to put two more under within the next couple of days that I'm like, ah, so I've almost landed all the planes. Good, (laughs) good. The runway is clear. (laughs) And I'm getting more planes to bring in. So, so it's interesting. Yeah. I think having the non-negotiables is is key and to to keep that, uh, first of all, your mental health, the time with your family, the time to serve your clients, because you have so many people that are counting on you and then also taking care of yourself. Yeah, it definitely. I um I always say that my oldest son who's in college now, you know, begrudgingly like I felt like a nanny raised him because it was just, you know, 2000s and was like deep in craziness building our mortgage company. And so for my youngest son who's 5 years younger, one of my non-negotiables is I wanted to pick him up every day from school. So I would leave my office at 2:30 and take my little lunch break and pick up my kid and check in and then go back to work. That was just like such a thing that was so important to me to have that time, even though, you know, when I asked him how his day was, he says, good. And that's it. But it was important to me to just be present as a mom in that short, you know, because our jobs are not nine to five. It is not that world anymore. You know, there's never a day that we're not working, not plugged in. So recalibrating how our, our nine to five day looks took some um, getting used to for me coming from a very, you know, before COVID, like this is how we work. That part is always, it's always shifting. 
Well, I find there's a book for like any women that are listening to this and they talk about like, I know how she does it. There's a book like, and it talks about having a split schedule and they found that busy entrepreneurs or attorneys or whatever, they tend to get more done when they just go ahead and give up the fact that they can't just work a continuous eight, 10 hours. Because the thing is, is I'm going to have doctor's appointments coming up for the kids. I'm going to have other things that I need to attend to. I try not to take up my nights and weekends doing my personal care. And so it really talks about like going to that, like two, three, four o'clock. And then, you know, understanding that, you know, give yourself like an hour, hour and a half at night. Try not to make it more than that, like to kind of wind things up. And I tend to leave my phone like on D&D from about four to eight. And uh, my team knows and my clients know that I'm typically like in a black hole (laughs) from like four to eight. So that way I just stay focused on picking up my kids and I try not to take any phone calls with them in the car and then, you know, getting them home, getting them fed, getting them bathed. And then once like they're down, then I can like go back, wrap it up, plan for the next day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's definitely, and it changes, right. As our kids grow and their worlds change, but yeah, I, you know, setting those personal boundaries is just so critical during COVID COVID happened, the world shut down and all of a sudden the rates went to 2%. So my team was insane. We would work all day, go home, have put our, tuck our kids in, come back in our pajamas, work all night. It was just, we couldn't keep up with the demand. It just happened, the refinances overnight. And we were so slammed. It was a fascinating stress test, that's for sure. But it definitely helped me put some boundaries in place to your point, Amy, of that, like, I kept telling myself like, okay, my husband would say, you're not McDonald's. You are not open 24 hours a day. Like my hours are eight to eight. Like that's all I can do, you know, and still- Yeah, I can't take any phone calls. Like, am I going to send out an email after eight o'clock? Yes, but like, I can't really. Like, what am I going to do for you at eight eight p.m.? My brain's described. Yeah, Yeah. and I may have had a glass of wine, so you don't want me to talk about numbers at that point. (laughs) So, my next question for you is: I work with a lot of serial entrepreneurs that do a lot of things. Like, I might have someone that's a manufacturing company, but then they own another company, or they might do a number of different things. I find that entrepreneurial kind of people tend to be curious and they like to learn, and they have all these different things. And so, you were known as doing lending all for for so 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 many years, and then you decided to get into to real estate and to sales and. From what I understand, there may have been some like negative, like backlash and those type of things. How did you keep like your mindset and like navigate that as you know, you're just trying to grow and you're just trying to provide more value, but then other people are saying, no, you have to do just one thing for the whole rest of your life. Yeah, no, it was really tough for me to be honest, Amy. I'm naturally like such a people pleaser that when those folks kind of were ruffled by that decision and the direction in my personal career, it was like, wait, what, what, why do you? So it did, it was very upsetting for me. And it was something that I had to be, you know, mindful about and really say, okay, and finally accept the fact and understand that their objection to me expanding my role and my career and and the depth of the services that I offer my clients really had more to do with them than it did me. And I just kind of had to like power through that. And the relationships that maybe were hindered in that really were very telling. 
And those that were my supporters were like, oh my God, what a great idea. I'm going to do that too. I'm like, yeah, you should. Let's be disruptors. Let's, you know, just do better. Let's give more. Let's add more value to the experience we're giving our clients. And, you know, we all need to all be leveling up all the time, especially in the real estate and mortgage industries. And it was such a great way to elevate, you know, the game. So I feel like I'm proud of what that, how that all shook out and that transition, but no, it was, it was very upsetting. It definitely was some sleepless, tearful nights, but you can't do anything different in this life without, you know. Yeah. What I find is interesting too, is when I get really negative feedback from people, it tends to be that they're projecting their personality onto other people because, you know, if Susie or Bobby sends you over a deal for you to underwrite, you're not going to go out and, and steal their client. You have plenty of other clients and exactly. you know, they're not operating out of an abundance mindset. They're exactly. operating out of a scarcity exactly. mindset and they're operating out of fear. 100%. And those individuals that had that objection and felt some kind of way about it are just individuals that I know do operate out of a scarcity mindset. There's plenty of business to go around. I would never poach another client. If I could poach a client, I could poach a client. Like it would only take one time for me to do that. No one would, you know, my reputation, we know in this industry, your reputation is everything. I've been in the business for 20 years and I can still hold my head high when I go to Publix. And that is what I'm most proud of, you know, like my reputation is everything, as you know, it's the same in, in your lane, but yeah, it is such a mindset and it is a very competitive field. And that is what I want to be on my tombstone one day is that I want to change the cutthroatness of this occupation and really elevate the level of professional that, that we play with, you know, that we interact with and that we all can just increase our, you know, our value in that way and not operate from a mindset of scarcity and lack. And and it's interesting. I think, you know, since I started this podcast and I have been studying having a strong, resilient, like abundance mindset, performance mindset, whatever you want to call it, you know, either operate from a growth or a fixed mindset. Right. As your mindset and your confidence gets so much better, it's just so much easier to then spot those kinds of people that totally. are not. Right. No, yeah, no. Stay, totally. Stay away. Stay and when away. you're making a change, you're like, oh my gosh, you will, you know, you worry, but yeah, on the, on the other side of that, now it's been, you know, over a year, almost two years is like, oh, wow. Right. Now I know. Now I know. Now I can see it. Like you said, you just can spot it a mile away. Well, but it is really hard when you're going through that. I mean, right. Right. Because it's so personal. Like these are people are people that are your friends that you cared about, you know? Right. And you think they'd be happy for you, but then you didn't get treated that way. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it was, it, it was a very eye-opening. you know, I mean, who the heck cares what you do with your career? It's your own. We're all trying to do the same thing, right? We're all trying to feed our families and, and live up to our, you know, optimum potential and grow and learn and, and serve our clients. So that is what I just keep my focus on. And I know in my heart, you know, that, that that's my direction that I'm um, the value that I can bring. So. Well, kudos to you. Thank you for that. Very good question. Right. Well, I, I just had noticed it and I felt so much for you because I've been through situations in my life that were very, very hard. I mean, I had, you know, when I was having babies, I had a complete 
like exodus from my organization because, you know, I didn't have much, like a lot to give, but I thought people would be more supportive of me and like try to be there for me. And like, I was just so like empty inside and it really affected me for like a while until I got back from that. And then again, it was them, not me. And like, I bounced back and, you know, and then some. (laughs) Yeah. Take that. I love that, Amy. I think it's important for women in our position who have a little, you know, seasoning under our belt to share more about, like, it's not all the highlight reel of Instagram, right? Like it's tough. And there are some, some roadblocks and some things that we do go through and we feel down and scared and lose our confidence sometimes too. And, but it's on the other side of that fear is where the goodness happens. Ben, I hope you cut that to be like one. That is amazing. It's like out of the fear is where the goodness happens. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, it really is. Okay. Like you get, you get past that fear and do, and do those things. It, it is. I just, I, it's amazing. So talk to me about what do you think is one of your greatest tips to achieve success on a daily basis? Um, you know, I do. I think it comes down to just constantly just that mindset. And I, another thing that I have found myself focusing on lately is just, again, our business is very stressful. I know everybody's jobs are stressful. So I never try to say like, we have the most stressful jobs, but sometimes I feel like, geez, um, this is a very emotionally charged 30 days, right? When someone's buying a house or borrowing money and you're asking for their like pay stubs and their bank statements and questioning their expenses. Like it's, it's personal, like the jobs that we do. So I have been really focused on controlling my emotional like reaction. If things are stressful, I listened to this podcast. It was actually a like teenage parenting podcast that your emotions are like a leash. Like if you're walking your dog, your dog can feel that like energy transfer. And it's so true. And I, you know, if my clients get worked up, then I'm worked up and oh my gosh, and we're going to call that seller. We're going to demand this. And we're going to tell these buyers and like just taking it down to a more (laughs) level-headed, calm, cool, collected place and not bringing that home. Not like, I loved what you said, Amy, about not taking phone calls in the car with your kids. That's something I learned early on too, because I would find that I'm talking to my mom about a deal. And then before you know it, and I can't believe that either. And then I'm like, you're just energy just climbs to this frequency that is, if you're just a eight-year-old, your mom's been complaining and grouching and fussing for the last 20 minutes. Like that's what that environment now brings. So I had, I had to make myself that, that rule as well, but just controlling your emotional response and really trying to be less reactionary is something that I personally have been working on to have a more successful day to know that I can shift that energy. I'm in control of my reactions and my response. And I'm not being, you know, I'm not being pushed in a certain way that I, you know, I'm going to kind of make sure that I have that in check. Well, I think also, yeah, my clients, uh, I think, you know, right now I'm helping someone sell the building that this family office has been using for 20 years to fuel the growth of their different businesses. And now they're going to be moving to something else. And I did a really good job and I got it pending very quickly. And now they got to move really quickly and they're kind of like worried, but then I got to be confident that don't worry, we're going to get through this transaction. I'm going to find you something. We're going to figure it all out. And then I got to be like cool as a cucumber because totally. 
they're counting on, you know, from you getting the money or getting the house or whatever. And so many things in their life are riding on it. But then with me and commercial real estate, it's the same thing. So many different things are like riding on right. it. Such a, uh, it can be very emotional. Even in commercial, it's it, it's even emotional. It's still, right. Yeah. It's still their business is their life, you know. But I, I got to understand, I, I have to have the confidence in myself that this is all going to kind of like work itself out. Right. And so like, I just got to like, chill out. But yeah, I used to probably get like a bit more like amped up like, yeah. you know, like a few years ago. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, wait, what? And I just, I think that I always say that this is the hardest industry to train for because every yeah. deal is different. Every transaction is different. Every yes. client is different. So I think a lot of that comes with experience. Just like you said, I mean, back in the day, I would be like, losing sleep. Oh my gosh. And not that I'm desensitized to it now. Now I just know what to do. And I do know it will be okay because we're going to put this safeguard in place and we're going to use this strategy to make sure that this money goes here and this, you know, Uh works out the way it's supposed to. And, you know, over the years you get like, thank you cards from your clients. And some of the ones who the, you know, notes that have meant the most to me are when they described that they were feeling like so out of control and their lives felt like they were in chaos and they weren't sure how they were going to get from this house and sell this house and how the money was going to happen. And just that comfort and knowing that like we had it under control Uh is what, you know, let them have some peace at night. That means so much to me because at the end of the day, like we do have it under control and we do know what to do, you know, closed thousands of transactions having that experience and that is where my confidence comes from. You know what I mean? Some sometimes in our worlds, it just comes from seeing that deal and that situation, that scenario before, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you have any books or events that have inspired you? Yes. One of my favorite books is the leadership law, the law it's Maxwell, um, I believe, but it talks about, and I try to think about this all the time with my team that like, you're not going to work for anyone that has, not achieved more than you have, or you aspire to be like, or has some characteristics that you want to be mentored from. So I try to hold myself to that regard, but um, that's one of my all-time favorite books. But yeah, I've been, I've been hashtag nerd pride for years. I used to be like a Stephen Covey dork. I like all the planners, Jordan Peterson and Mel Robbins. And, you know, I always have, I'm like one of those people that read like multiple books at one time. Yes. Thank you. Oh, I literally can go back to like grad school and read my planners and like the things that I was doing and like, I'm starting to file them away. Yeah. Like by month. And so like, I, you'd be curious, like five, 10 years right. from now, like I will want to like, kind of look, look back. Totally. Amy, so, like for sure. Like I think in high school is when, I don't know, maybe you're probably younger than me, but in my high school is when they started making kids have planners and your parents had to like initial your homework and Oh. And that like stuck with me. Like I definitely have little high school planners, you know? So I didn't have a planner in high school, but what I had was um, you get those calendars from the local like Ace Hardware or something. And I'd write on it like SAT, you know, coming up on this right. day, finish it. And so I kind of just used a calendar at my house. And then I have like Sharpie through like each day yeah. and, like, happened like, oh, I'm graduating on this day. And so I have oh, those, like, like a a book. And then I didn't really have a planner during, um, cop. Uh, no, I had a Palm pilot. Oh I my God. Palm pilot. A hundred percent. Pilot. I loved my little Palm pilot with my pen and my stylus. Oh yeah. I totally forgot I had a Palm. It was pilot. all about the Palm pilot. Oh yeah. 
So yeah, I went digital for a while and then I read a book by Lee Cockerell and I think he actually lives in like the Southwest area of Orlando. Disney executive had 40,000 people under him and he wrote this book called like Time Management Magic and he recommended using this particular kind of tape, you know, of day planner and so I can actually keep like all my like little follow-up things in here and like zip it up and put it in my purse and so I started using that and filing it away and I really like it because also at the end of the month I can highlight back through did I do everything is everything in there it's just a good cross check so I think that there's something powerful that happens in our brain at least for me like I'm a visual learner when I write things like yes. it get it concretes it in my brain more. I, and I'm not distracted by a notification. Like I still have lists and journals and journal every day. And I am a writer like, yeah, sorry, AI, but you're not taking over yet. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yes, yeah, so for as long as the, the postal service still exists, I will send out, still send out thank yous. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What advice so would you give to someone that's either starting out as a real estate agent or mortgage broker? Do you have it or just in the real estate field in general? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say to get a mentor. There, it's, you know, like I mentioned to me at least, it's such a big learning curve and it's such a big industry and there's so much to it. And to be honest, like you can really screw some shit up. Like, Mm-hmm. Oh, I I have made big mistakes early in my career. I remember I had to like call my mom to come fix a transaction at the closing table. These people had to bring way more like, oh, it was a nightmare. It's still keep, I still wake up with cold sweats, but you, anyways, it's a very important job. And I just think having a mentor or a coach will just really catapult that like learning curve light years. And, you know, you can get there by learning the hard way, but having someone guide you and kind of hold your hand is to me, the only, not the only way to train, but it's, I I've been doing this for 20 years and I haven't found a training program or any, you know, book or that can really teach you no kidding what to do when this scenario happens or this scenario happens. It's just take somebody with some seasonality. Well, and I mentor now, but I, when I first like really got into commercial real estate, I had a mentor. I was fortunate that I never worked at another brokerage. Like this has been my brokerage since 2010. I love it. <laughs> I had to be my broker so I could qualify it. But I knew when I started to get into like commercial and everything, I started earning my CCIM, which is like a board certification in commercial real estate. And actually, I saw my mentor the other day. He said, Amy, you never give me any shout outs. And like, look at you. Like, you have this big firm now. That's a compliment. Let the record reflect Mike (laughs) Beal of Bishop Beal. I love Bishop Beal. Yeah, they're a good company. And um, so Mike Beal of Bishop Beal was my mentor, like, back in the day. And he's, like, really responsible for, we were talking, I think we were talking a little bit earlier in the show, is like, you know, your personal like how you are situated in your personal goals really drives your professional performance. And that was really missing for me. I was like, work, 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 work. And I wasn't having the most healthy habits. I was really stressed out. And I was really just like, not like feeling my best. And so I set up like personal goals. And actually one of the personal goals was like, I feel really like empty faith-wise because I have not been going to church since before college and you know and so he's like well go to church and I'm like oh you mean okay. I just just go 
<laughs> put it down as a goal and do it. And so then I did it. And so funny, I today actually had lunch with someone who's in my Bible study from church. And then she's introducing me to some, you know, higher people within her her bank and like want, like we have some clients we can synergize with, but, you know, but I'm able to meet other like-minded people who, you know, have faith and, you know, to, to everybody, their journey. I'm not saying you have to, but for me, it was a, it was a good thing, but I think your personal well-being has a lot to do with how you perform professionally. Totally. And I don't think that I, my poor mom, she gets a lot of flack from me, but I grew up under her as my boss in my early in my career. And I always say like, for example, you know, my team, when, when they have maternity leave, I'm so grateful that they get to enjoy the maternity leave and take as long as they need. My child was born. My boss converted the conference room into a nursery so that we could bring the nanny in and I could come back to work in three days. And that boss was my mother, but they, (laughs) they just grew up in such a different time. I mean, I, you know, she, when, when she grew up in, in her career as a female executive, it was like, don't talk about kids. You don't even have them. They don't even exist. You cannot be distracted. And like, I just think that some of that in our generation also was part of just grind hustle culture. You will work a million, you will outwork anybody. And that was how you're going to get ahead. And you know, it, it isn't until, you know, some of the good things these millennials have taught us that there is yeah. some balance, like balance has to be part and we do have to have some self-care. So I love that this is now part of the conversation for yeah. executives and business owners and successful people like you, Amy, to show that, yeah, you got to take care. You got to put the oxygen mask on us first. Oh, I just got like chills because it is so true. Like you, you do like way too much and you like can like absolutely kill kill yourself almost. Like, oh yeah. I had the opportunity to give a, a speech to a lot of women at the women who mean business luncheon for the Orlando business journal. And I admitted for the first time that I, I hemorrhaged after my second child was born just a few years ago, because like I took three days off like you did. And I just like jumped back into it. And I didn't have boundaries set up for myself. And I was operating out of a sense of fear that like, you know, totally. I wouldn't like have like, am I going to get my spot or yep. Totally. And I thought like I had to do all these things, but maybe I could have just ratchet. It didn't have to be all or nothing. So I think sometimes too, you have like this all or nothing thinking, and maybe there's like this middle ground that we can achieve. And like, we don't have to win every piece of business and we don't right. have to do every single thing and just, you know, just do what you can do. Like I was just asked by someone like, am I going to see you at the CCIM conference this year or the SIOA conference? And I said, you know what? I decided I've pushed so hard for the last few years. I'm not doing any business travel this year out of town, except for I think I'm going to go to one conference in July in California with some women. But other than that, I'm not going to go on any of these like business trips because I'm gone for like days on end. I have to do a nanny and my kids are two and three years old. And like, oh, yeah, no, and, like, I mean, I just about broke from like the postpartum, like depression. And again, that's the genesis of this podcast. So, but no, you're so right. Like it honestly had not occurred to me until you said that, that when my kids were young and all of that, like get under the desk and don't say a word, my client's about to come in, you know, like is 
an operation out of a fear-based mindset because you're just so scared. Something's going to, some ball is going to drop or someone's going to think you're not focused or not working as hard as your male counterpart or your other, you know, competition. But it is so true. Like, I just love that we are having more of these conversations so that we can let go of that BS because it's such BS. Um, And I was on track to be possible president of my peer group for commercial real estate. But as I went through this journey with the podcast, I was really starting to get like my priorities back in order and spend more time with my children and get a bit more balance. I realized that I can do that later. Yeah. And saying no. And so and so, so I think it's good for, for women or maybe people just starting out. Don't compare yourself that's to someone that has a decade or two more of experience or who's a different gender or is in a different type of environment. Just don't compare yourself to that because that's going to affect your like confidence. And, and then you're going to be in this state of fear and it's yes. going to keep you from reaching your full potential. Right. And saying, I mean, this is Orlando. We have such an active, thriving, amazing community with so many nonprofits and so many initiatives. Like you could be doing something all day, every day. That's maybe not productive. There's there's nights that there's five galas. Oh, Amy, a hundred percent. I had to make that rule for myself when I was like in the thick of it before COVID that I would not do more than two events a week in the evenings because like it's dinner time, it's family time, whatever. And again, that changes when your kids' ages change and activities change, but no is a complete sentence. Like I used to say that in my head over and over, like I don't justify why I cannot be on that board. There's, I just can't like, no is a complete sentence. So giving ourselves permission to decline some of those opportunities doesn't mean they're not going to happen again, you know, just not now for you. And 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 if it doesn't happen again, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. And like that, if they don't appreciate the fact that like, I, you know, just can't do it at this time, then it's just, you know, unfortunate. So yeah, yeah, I used to feel like I had to explain myself when I said, no, I can't just say no, though. Uh, It's a a skill. It's such a skill. I still say like, I really appreciate you thinking of me, but it's not something I can do it at this time. And I don't say because blah, 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 blah. Right. I take that off. I yeah. used to have to feel like I had to do all that, but yeah. now I just say, I think, appreciate you thinking of me. It's not something I can do at this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of those muscles that we have to practice. Right. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's so it's important. interesting too. I've related the performance mindset. And so I put together the sport success system, the S P O R T and I'm going to have a book about it and yada, 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 but it is, it's like you keep doing these principles and, and it is like a muscle and it becomes way easier over time. Yes. And, uh, and as long as you keep that up and don't revert back and you know, you're going to have moments of fear, but like, it's not, it's not pervasive and like overwhelming, like it was. Right. And you can, you know, control the spiral of your fear-based thoughts, you know? Yeah. Wow. This is so, so great, Amy. You're doing such great things. I'm so yeah. thankful for this space and this yeah. dialogue. We're just and putting so, it out here. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like I told you before, I'm going to have some questions, but then obviously like our whole conversation can like develop and we've gotten to talk a lot about mindset. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, let's let's close it out with this question then. Can you provide an example of a time where you had to shift your mindset to achieve success? And did you have any lessons that you learned from that experience? 
Yes. One that is always very clear to me, 2002, graduate from college, had a thriving mortgage company. We had around 100 employees and then 2008 happened. And it was devastating financially, economically, emotionally. I mean, that was my baby, my mortgage company. I've never put this out there before, but I literally have a tattoo of my old mortgage company's logo. And so do four of my old employees. (laughs) But that's just how like, it's your, it is just blood, sweat, and tears when you have a business, like that's just everything. So anyways, 2008 happened, the market crashed, everything had was turned upside down. I had to sit across it. You know, when you have a small business, your friends and family are your employees. I literally had to sit across the desk and like lay off aunt Rhonda, you know, like heart wrenching decisions to, you know, downsize our company, make changes. And I always remember, I was also president of the junior league at that time, which is a very, you know, PR kind of position that you feel like you're in the limelight, small town in Winter Haven, Florida. And I just felt so devastated. I was young. I was in my twenties and looking back, my ego and my pride were so bruised that I didn't allow myself to ask for help. And now as a grown ass woman, looking back, I had plenty of friends and influential decision makers in the community that could have helped me, but I just didn't know how to not just like bootstrap and like just deal with this. And, you know, I, I hope that this day and age, fast forward 20 years that women can ask for help more easily, you know? And that's the thing that I always just think like, why didn't I just say, Hey, I might need a job like this financially. It could really be significant in my family's life. And I just didn't know the resources or the mentors or kind of where or how other than just like, you know, dealing probably with some depression that at that time, you know, you didn't talk about, Um, but all that anxiety and just, you know, turmoil. Obviously we got through it. I made me stronger. I'm a badass now. I know how to navigate the, right. the market and such a lesson learned, obviously. But I just remember how I felt so alone and isolated at that time. So I always think back on that and how I could have managed that better, you know? Yeah. I, I totally relate. I mean, in in 2019, we bought our building and I got pregnant with my first baby. And then we were taking on moving houses. And then I thought I had to have this big team and I had to pursue all this different business while I'm getting pregnant with number two and all these different things. And my company, I don't know what was wrong with it. Was, was it the splits? Was it this? Was it that? But I just wasn't profitable. And I'm like basically having other people raise my children, but my business isn't like thriving to the level that it had been before that led us to, you know, being able to do all these things. And it was just so overwhelming. And I wouldn't tell my best friend. I wouldn't tell like anybody, like how much stress yeah. I had because it was the pride and the ego and the fear. And the shame. You feel sh- like... And it's something that every entrepreneur goes through. Like that's part of the journey, you know? Yeah. And when I told someone else, like, she was like, what was your gross revenue that year? What was your, she's like, Amy, you're like on the precipice of being like one of the top 1% commercial. And you're like killing yourself just because you didn't have your structure set up right. So I finally, you know, and then I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to reorganize my company because I was fearful of what people would like think. But now because I've done that and now I have more W-2s and I've reorganized my company in such a way, I'm providing so much of a better experience to my clients. I have such a better like 
you know, I'm so much ha- happier myself, but I, I can totally relate to that. And I think that, you know, anyone listening is like, if you're going through a challenge in your business, like check your pride, like, check your don't, pride. like when I finally figured out that I'm not the only business owner in the world that has had like these moments where you just feel like you can't figure it out. And like, I literally was ready to close my business. Like, cause yeah. it was so overwhelming. Like when you realize you're not alone. And so anyone like that's going through something, you're not alone. You're not alone. It gives you so much. And we're fine now. And you need that clarity and that perspective to not freak out. You know what I mean? Like I love the memes that I've read that like every business owner is like, oh my God, my business is going to close. Oh my God, I'm having the best year. Oh my God, I'm going to close my doors. Like it's just that roller. It is like that. But then I think if you can come back from like the, oh my God, everything, but you're sharing with someone and you can optimize things and you become more like, just get more support in like, again, keep your like mindset. Because at the end of the day, just having more confidence that this too shall pass and it's going right. to be okay. I think it, it goes wonders, but I, I really appreciate you sharing that because yeah. it, it's a lot of. Thank you. Lot. I don't know that I have shared that so openly before, but you know what? It is just part of it. And I hope it helps somebody. <laughs> I mean, it does. It's not a reflection on you. You were doing all you can do. And sometimes there's just circumstances or you set up. Yeah. Like, company in such a way. And, you know, it's, it's a learning lesson. Like I it think that is. I'm grateful that I got to learn it in my twenties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can people find you if they want to um, connect you? Yeah. I am definitely a social media oversharer, as my husband says. So feel free to Google me and help pop up. I'm sure. But yeah, Leslie Heimer, Leslie oh, Heimer, real Instagram, estate. Yeah. Leslie Heimer real estate is my official website. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you want to talk about? No, not, not that comes up right away. I'm so excited to see this episode and share it. And thank you, Amy. This was really like great questions and great conversation. I'm really grateful. I don't like to pick like favorites because I have so many people that come aboard, but I really like can appreciate your entrepreneurial perspective and hashtag nerd pride. (laughs) like geeked out and we have like very excited about our geek so and i think it's good to give your authentic self like when you're out on these podcasts and different things because then if maybe you're not the right person for someone then then right that's all we can be right is ourselves so yeah so well thank you to everyone tuning in again today and be sure to like subscribe download all of the different things and i can't wait to be with you all again, uh, sharing the performance mindset.